What is up, my friends? It's Toby Lawless here with the next episode of The Lawless Crowd. This is the place where I pull back the curtain and I reveal the inner workings of the commercial casting world. It's like slicing open the sausage to see how it's made, but it smells much better, you know, less disgusting, twice as interesting. As you know, my goal with this podcast, The Lawless Crowd, is quite simple. It's really to just help commercial actors succeed by demystifying the process, the casting process, the booking process through thoughtful conversations with industry professionals. And boy, do I got a doozy for you today. Yes, I sat down with a good friend of mine, actually, Mick Dowd of Dowd Roman Casting. Mick is just lovely, a pure gentleman. This is a guy we should all listen to in life and especially in casting. He's been around forever. He's been casting for 30 Eight years. 38 years, people. That's almost precisely the amount of time I've been alive. He's been casting commercials, and boy, have things changed. I mean, this guy has done everything. He does huge Super Bowl spots like any big casting director, but he's also cast movies like Hoosiers. Huh? Yeah, he cast Hoosiers. He discovered Fred Savage, and he casts for Fred Savage now, actually, because Fred Savage directs a lot of commercials. But, you know, like many people, his path was quite circuitous. He was not born a casting director. No, 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 no. So what was he born? Well, McDowd was born a singer. Yes, a singer and a quite good singer. He performed on Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson. He performed in huge Vegas shows before he went on to become a commercial producer, commercial agent. I mean, he has so much experience in the commercial world. It's insane. He's an insane resource. I loved chatting with him. In this conversation, we talk about what his experience has taught him and how it can help us, you know, how it can help actors. So we cover things like, A, the value of putting yourself out there and taking risks as an actor and as a person. And so how work begets work. When you get work, it makes more work for actors especially, why having fun and being fearless can book the job. Commercial actors' number one mistake from the casting perspective, how timing is everything, the state of the industry with the union and everything. So this is about an hour long. I love Mick. We had a great chat. Buckle up. Enjoy this ride. Hallie-ho, Buccaneers. Let's jump in with Mick Dowd of Dowd Roman Casting. McDowd. Dowd Roman. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you, Toby. Thank you so much for coming today. My pleasure. Or I came to you, I guess. You did, but we met together. We met two hours ago. Yes. And uh, now we're chatting. You're going to tell me all about your entire life. So you've been casting for 37 years. Yes. That's that right? That's right. But that's not how you started. No. So what is it? Tell me, where are you from? Actually, originally from Park City, born Utah. Utah, yep. Okay. So I was raised in Utah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll give you a little a little history of my condensed history of my life. So that'd be great. Basically, a singer who never acted, so mm-hmm. I can appreciate actors because I don't have performer any performer, but I have no acting ability whatsoever. Okay. So I started on television in Salt Lake when I was like four or five as a singer. As a singer, and was on TV there for a long time, and then. When I was around 10, 11, I 
went to Disney Studios, and I worked at Disney Studios for a while. In Utah? In Utah. No, in, in California. So you moved to California? For the summer. I was there for Got the it. summer, mm-hmm. Disney Studio. And then... This is in the 50s, 60s? Yes, in the 50s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of stuff were you singing? Uh, basically a ballad singer. Solo? I, solo, yeah. And you were how old? Uh, started four or five. So you, you must have had an amazing voice. I did. You did? Yes. Do you sing still? I do. And, you know, it was a gift. I never really had to... Do much? Do much, yeah. It was just kind of always there. How did you fall into that? Singing? Yeah. Uh, strangely, it, uh, I had a cousin who was on TV at the time. It was her birthday party. They were playing Spin the Bottle. Bottle came to me, and somebody said, sing something, and I did, and the owner of the TV station was there and heard me and put me on. I thought Spin the Bottle was a kissing game. You can tell anybody to do anything when oh, you spin okay. the bottle. All right. Uh, in those days, that could have been a See, it's changed now. Different era. Okay, so they discovered you. They said, let's put you on TV. You're going to be yes. singing. So then I sang uh, basically until I got into junior high, high school, and I didn't want to anymore because I just wanted to be a real-life Was kid. your voice changing? It did change. So I literally had to learn to sing all over again on my own, but I didn't really sing again out until I was a senior in high school. Then I started singing again. Yeah. Then I... Actually, I went in the Army. The Army is the National Guard. You for, did? I did. I uh, so I was in the Army for a bit, and then I came back and started college. And then I came to California and auditioned for at, at Disneyland and sang at the Golden Horseshoe Review for three summers. And then... What's the Golden Horseshoe Review? It, it's it's a Western show that's still there. Really? In, in uh, Frontierland. It was the longest actually running show. It's it, over the, when the park opened. It was they still had the basically the same cast until they died. Were there at the Golden Horseshoe Review? Except for you. Except for me. And then I was managed then by a comedian who saw me sing, uh, whose name was Shelley Berman, who died a couple of years ago. And I started doing talk shows like Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas. Johnny Carson, Donald Connor, like a bunch of TV stuff. So this, this is a comedian, this was a manager? He wasn't a manager. But he, was he, a he only managed me. But he, he had connections, he knew he how to had schedule. A lot, he had a lot of connections. And I basically was his opening act, so that's how I kind of ah, got my start there. And then I really basically sang in Vegas with shows and stuff like that with Mitzi Gaynor and... And uh, now we're in our 20s. And Margaret, yep, in my 20s. And then... Uh, did that for years and ended up with Florence Henderson for like three years. And then I actually got into uh, a neighbor was in a commercial producer production. Uh-huh. So I got a job in production. I ended up producing commercials for about four years. Uh-huh. Then I fell into agenting. So I became an agent for two years. Are we in the 70s at this point? We are in... Actually, yes, the late 70s, early 80s. Okay, well, this is what we're going to talk about, but i yeah. got to hit the pause. You were on Johnny Carson. Yes. Is the setup sort of the same as it is for comedians, where it's like you perform and then you're welcome to the couch or not? It depends, yes. I was actually, the two shows I was welcome to the couch was Merv Griffin and Steve Allen, which was the old, I forgot yeah. about it, the Steve, old Steve Allen show. Yeah. Which I liked, but basically I would, I would usually do a couple of numbers. And that was it, and I didn't really like talking that much, so I didn't care if I was welcome to the couch. Uh-huh. And so, but <laughs> or what, I would turn the couch down. No. They would just chat, like, oh, so where yes. are you from? And you're a singer. And, yep. Okay, wow. Yep. Do you have tapes of this still? I do. I, I, the only tape I really have is the Steve Allen show. I did Merv Griffin twice in one year, and 
I tried to get the tape of that, and his son, actually, Merv's son, Tony Griffin, turned out to be later in life a friend of mine, and it was the only year that they had didn't have the, the video. Oh. So one year, and that was the year I was on his show, but which is now a boring story to tell you. But anyway, I don't have a lot of stuff, but I do have, I, I have the Dean Martin show, I think, pieces of that. And That's amazing. Like that. So then you went to Vegas. And what kind of, you're in, how, did you live in Vegas? Well, we would go for probably a month to six weeks. Usually, like with, if I was with Ann Margaret, we were there for six weeks or eight weeks. Or were those big crowds? Later. Big crowds. It was, it was all big showrooms. Uh. I was there with Palenka. Did a lot of stuff like that. So that's so cool. And then, so then your neighbor, how did you fall out of that? Uh, because I had a friend who said, actually a friend of Florence Henderson's, who said, are, "Are you? How long do you think you're going to be the boy singer?" And I had never thought of that. Okay, so you're I literally, older. yeah, because I didn't write songs, so I didn't have, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have that ability. So I thought I probably had two or three years left as a boy singer, and and I thought I don't want to wait till the end of that period and then not know what to do. So. I literally quit singing and got a job in production. Wow. Did you start as a PA? I started as a runner and then okay. a PA. I worked my way up to a PA. Yeah, okay, got and it. And I was 30, so I was the oldest PA runner the, in the business. The best PA runner. Best PA, too. yep, I was. Yep. So I moved up quick because I liked it. And How long did it take you to move up to producing? Three months. <laughs> what kind of because I loved it. I mean, yeah. I... I I really fit right. And you know, when I used to teach class and stuff to actors, yeah. I would say, you really have to put yourself out there. The way I got the job uh-huh. was literally, because I, I was so old yeah. <laughs> to be a, a runner or a PA, yeah. uh, they were very hesitant in wanting to pay me. And I said, let me work for free. Yeah. And if you don't like me or I don't like it, yeah. nobody's out anything. And within three days, they paid me. And then I worked my way up very quickly. So what, how does that relate to advice to actors? Put yourself anywhere. Do anything. I see. You can don't don't think you need to be paid right away for something if it's I mean in life in general if you put yourself out there yeah are willing to do anything yeah I mean to a point but are willing to do anything as far as monetary right. know, payment then you're going to have a better chance of getting in anywhere right doing a play or doing anything acting or stuff like that if if they're not paying money who cares you know just get yourself. It's really work begets work is what I've, what I've learned. That's so, great. I yeah. love that. So you did that for four years. Yep. And then why did you get out of that? Because I, if you're in production, you have no life. Mm-hmm. I think you had an experience recently. <laughs> uh, so it was getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning, uh-huh. going to bed at 11 or 12 at night, never seeing your old friends anymore. It was right. like your whole life was production. That's true. And I Immersed. Had, I had great friends in production, but I literally got to the point where I worked with a director who worked Constantly, I was who was going, that? It was, his name was Peter Cooper, okay. and uh, I was going to New York, working with him in New York, mm-hmm. flying back and forth, and then literally I just, I had to stop because I wanted to do something else. Quality of life. Yeah. I took six months off, mm-hmm. and then I became an agent, and then uh, there was an interview for an agent at a big commercial agency, so I mm-hmm. did that and got it. And did, did you have connections years? over there? Did you know that? I did not, and I had no idea how to be an agent. Uh huh. I just went in and interviewed, and I found that a good way to ever, if you're ever looking for a job, yeah. is you don't need it at the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I went in with the attitude like I really didn't care, and they offered me the job on the spot, and they'd been interviewing for three months, so I ended up doing it for a couple of years, loved it, but wanted to do something else. You were a commercial I, agent. Commercial agent, yeah. Wow. And then you transferred from there. To casting. Because? Because I had a friend who was in casting that I'd worked with in production when yeah. I was producing. 
and he had offered me a partnership, so I left and started casting. I've been doing it for 37 years. Wow. That and I'm only is so cool. 38. It's so amazing. It's amazing. I've done so all that weird. stuff. I was like, such a years productive of work one year. Into, yeah. So you, I mean, it, this is one of the reasons I want to talk to you because you have a, I feel like, especially when you're a young performer and you sort of go through adolescence as a performer, which I did as well, it gives you like a multiple perspective yeah. on performance. Yeah. So you have this, I would venture to say, in-depth perspective on performance. But then not only that, as you started to lean into the commercial world, the whole production side, the whole agency side, and now certainly the casting side. Yeah. And that is such a complete package, I think, in terms of understanding how this industry works. Yeah. From well, for me, because I knew everything, yeah. I mean, basically I'd worked on all sides, I really kind of understood everybody's problems. Yeah. So I could predict that or whatever and kind of take care of it before it happened, which was true. I mean, I realized by the time I got into casting, I knew what everybody else did. I knew when to bother production, when not to. I knew how to deal with agents. I knew what the agents went through. Yeah. I know what talent goes through. So I really kind of had that gift of, let's say, I, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. The agents always, and I knew all the agents too, because I'd been an agent and we'd had gatherings and stuff like that. So I knew what they went through and they really appreciated the fact that I was not hard on them because I knew what they had to go through on their end. And you, were, you had empathy. I had empathy for everybody. For yeah. performers as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. And, you know, I've always felt that way with casting where like, you know, I'm in the lucky enough position to be able, uh, in, in terms of running session, to work for who sure. I want to work for. And there's all sorts of different people in the world, right? And it frustrates me on the casting side when we see casting directors or camera operators or lobby assistants sort of being disrespectful to actors. And I feel like I have that understanding from my side as a performer because in reality... You know, casting needs performers right. we, for our job. Like We need them, and they're putting so much on the line, and I think it's something that you... It's much easier to have that sort of empathy when you've been a performer. Oh, absolutely. Or if you've been an yes. agent and you understand. Like, I was telling someone recently, I was like, oh, you know, working in casting, sometimes I'll get an audition. I'm like, ah, oh, this can't make it. It's not a big deal. You know, I know the casting director. I'll just text him. But then I learned, I was like, well, it is a big deal for my agent. Because they're really, really hustling for those spots and they're so hard to get. Yep. For me to just sort of say, oh, I can't make it, for them is like, well, that's one of my only four spots and I like busted my ass to get that spot. And that was an understanding I only just sort of realized because I don't really have a full understanding of how the agency side works. Yeah. You know? So that's really valuable. Well, well to, a, to a point of that too, when you say disrespectful to assistants being disrespectful to talent. Yeah. So, it also works the other way, too, because I've seen actors be disrespectful to assistants or whatever, not knowing who they are. My, my policy has always been there's no reason not to be nice to everybody. And, no, and you never know who you're talking to. I mean, I've had actors be snotty with me, yeah. not knowing that I'm the casting director. And because of that, I never have met again. I don't want people like that on a set who's going to have that attitude or think they're better than somebody else. 100 percent and especially with you know like we all play our roles and it's easy to feel like oh this lobby assistant oh they skipped me or they don't know what they're doing whatever and you may have a point like for instance maybe they did skip you or maybe you do have somewhere to be but it matters how you ask absolutely and being polite like just goes such a long way and it does touch on the respect issue and it just across the board in life right sure just like come on we're all trying to do a job here we're all playing a role Help us out. 
So I agree with that. And back to the other thing, too, yeah. about your agents working hard for that slot for you to come in on. I mean, a lot of actors don't realize that, you know, as a casting director, for one role, I will get three or 4,000 submissions. Right. I will pick 20 people. Yeah. And when they don't show up or don't bother to tell their agent that they're not showing up, yeah. or they actually do show up and they're not prepared, I think some lose sight of the fact of what goes into them actually getting that audition. And how are they going to get the job? Yeah, if, 100%. If they're not prepared. Well, that those numbers, I think, a lot of actors don't know. which And I, I, that's a pretty good average, right? Like yeah. 4,000 submissions, meaning you have, let's just assume for the sake of this argument, that it's just agent submissions, where you put out the breakdown, we're doing a Taco Bell job, and we need a family, a dad, a mom, and two kids. And for each of those roles, across the hundreds of agents in L.A., that can see this breakdown, they'll all submit their actors that feel yeah. right. And you'll see a total in terms of actors that you have to go through of 4,000. And you said 20 roles, even if it's 40 if slots. Yeah. If there's even 40 slots for Dave Casting, we're going to see 40 dads, 40 moms, 40 kids. It's stunning to me where you like, if you look at that, getting the slot itself, getting the audition, that's harder than booking the job once you have it. Absolutely, it, it is. It's one in 100, 40 in 4,000 versus one out of 40. Yeah. It's almost twice as hard to get the actual audition. And when you start realizing like, oh God, I'm my, you know, for whatever reason, my agent, like I'm lucky to have the spot and I just want to make the most of it. And that's goes to the point that, you know, it's a lesson I'm still learning, which is like, oh yeah, dude, you can't just, just because you know people and in casting and, oh, I can't make it today. There needs to be a little bit of respect for other actors who yes. are trying to get that spot or like that, oh, they had so many options to pick from and they chose you and you do what you can to get there and be at your best. And to that point, like, I'm talking to, you know, I talk to a lot of actors, and I think it's common where they're like, oh, I don't, you know, for me, for instance, I'm like, if I get called in as a dad of teenagers, well, I'm 5'7", and I'm 38, and I don't feel like I'm a dad of teenagers. I'm a dad, but my son's 8. I'm like, I'm not, I go into the callback, and the teenagers are taller than me, and I just feel like they're never going to cast me for this. But then you get booked in that role. Yeah. And I'm telling my actors, I'm like, look, that's not your job. Your job is to audition very well. It's casting's job to call in what they think you're right for. It's your agent's job to submit you for what you're right for. You may not agree with them, but A, not your job. B, you don't know how you're perceived. So it goes back to me saying that as an actor, your job really is to just audition as well as you can Absolutely. in the room. Yeah. That's it, period. And even if you're right, even if you aren't right for that role, you and I have seen it a million times where they're like, he's not right for this, but he's great. Yeah. And I'm doing a subway job right now that he'd be perfect yeah, for. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's you seeing that or it's the director. I've seen it in the room a million times like, hey, Mick, did you uh, audition for Subway last week? If we're, let's say this is a callback for Taco Bell. You get a callback. The director says, hey, Mick, did you audition for Subway last week? And you say, um... God, I don't know. I think so. You're like, yeah, no, you did. I remember for you from that audition. You weren't right for that, but that's why I called you in for this. So knowing that it's about not just like, oh, did I get the callback? Did I book the job? But more so, did I make a good impression? Absolutely. Am I creating fans? Yeah. You know? and, and it goes beyond, to your point, the performance to how do I behave? Am yes. I like polite and am I friendly and am I professional and creative and am I having fun? And that's all part of the mix, you know? Well, I remember I, I think I've told you this story before, too. There was a big actor 
when I was an agent that we represented that mm-hmm. was kind of a well-known comedian. And I had assumed that maybe he only went out for national network spots. He only went out for big stuff. And a casting director called me and said, you know, I'd like Steve to come in for this job. And it was you know, very low-paying. What he wouldn't normally... He's a, not what I thought he would not normally right. want to go out because it wasn't paying that much. It was a regional spot, whatever. Right. And uh, I didn't know that he was also friends with his casting director. Yeah. So he called me and he said, listen, not to say you did a bad thing or whatever, and I'm sure you assumed that maybe I only would go out for national networks response. He said, but he said, I am a firm believer in work begets work. He said, I will do anything because I will meet a director who will remember me for some something later. The ad agency will remember me for something later. He said, I really believe you have to put yourself out there and that will come back to you. It's, you don't ever think that you're too good for anything in this business. It's just getting out there, being seen, that somebody will, re- will remember you for something else down the road. I think that's such a great thought, you know, and it is true for actors, even if it's like, look, maybe you're not even getting paid for this job. Maybe you have a friend who needs some help at a show. So I've had jobs like that where it's like, oh, a friend of mine is producing something. He's like, hey, man, will you do this? And your initial reaction is like, oh, I'm busy and normal. Yeah. I'm trying only to get paid for what I do, but oh, it's my friend. And then from that job, the producer on the job was like, oh, hey, man, you were great. We're actually doing another thing next week that's really awesome, and we'd love to bring you on board, and that does pay. Yeah. And then maybe that turns into a consecutive sure. job. And that's just a, I think it's a great approach. I talk to actors a lot about, like, what's your approach here in terms of your career and your audition beyond learn your lines, be funny or whatever, but, like, in terms of your mindset and having a mindset of, like, work begets work. You know, you yeah. never know what's going to happen. I'm going to, you're an optimist, right? Oh, yeah. And that helps, you know. There's a lot of, the idea of, like, positive thinking can be a little woo-woo, but there's something behind looking for opportunity in an opportunistic way versus being cynical, right? Where it's like, oh, I never get these dad roles. If I go into an audition with that mindset, I never get these. I'm setting myself up to not get it, right? Yeah. As opposed to like, hey, you never know. It's not my job to say whether I look like a dad or not. My job is just to go do my best job acting like a dad. Absolutely, yes. And even if... This audition isn't great. Maybe it generates another audition for me. And I think that having that mindset is so valuable. So you've been doing this for so long, and you understand performing. And I'm really curious on, you know, the number one question that I'm trying to answer, and I always am asking everybody is like, there, you know, it's easy to feel like commercials are just purely a numbers game. Oh, it's just about look and whatever. And we all understand there's arbitrary factors involved that don't involve performance. It's not a meritocracy. But it's also true that there are actors who are booking consistently. And it's because of not just how they look. It's things that they do. And it, it allows you to, in terms of your ability and talent as a performer, to do these things to create consistency in booking. And I'm, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about in your experience, and you know a lot of these actors, what is it that these guys are doing and these girls that allows them to work consistently? I think the biggest thing for me that I've seen over 37 years is the ones who work the most are the ones that really do the best. Mm -hmm. They also 
I don't want to say they don't care, they care, but they're in a room, they have fun. Or depending on what it is, I mean, if some are more serious than others, but they really go in, they are free with what they do. They're not afraid of anything like that. These are also the people that two days later, if you ask them what auditions they went on, they had no idea. So they don't obsess about auditions. They go in, they forget what they did. If they booked a job, I've had it where being an agent, I've called somebody and said, you know, you booked such and such. And they go, oh, I don't even remember that. Or I thought it was terrible on that. Anybody who walks into a room, yeah, you want the room to naturally like you. I mean, that's we all want to be an agency sitting there. They want to feel comfortable with that person coming in. Oh, there's a fun person. Yeah. You know, they're talented. I would love to be with them all day on the set. And they bring stuff to it that they really don't care that they're making a mistake or they don't care that they might have flubbed a line or, you know. They don't whatever. treat it too preciously. They don't treat it too preciously. They are, commercials are really fun as yeah. opposed to theatrical things. It's really basically 90% just have fun, participate, pay attention, mm -hmm. listen. Uh, listen. A lot of people just don't listen. I've had people on callbacks and I will, in her eye, I will go, they have changed what you're doing. You're not going to sit down. Yeah. You're not going to do the swivel. They have totally changed. Just listen to me. You're you're not going to do that stuff. You got that? And they go, yes. 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 I understand. Okay. You're not going to, right? Yes. Yeah. And they will walk in that room and do the swivel and they will sit down. A and you're baffled because they're, they check out. I mean, they're not listening to they're what They're not present. They're not present. They are not present. It's <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, it's like, don't try too hard. Don't take it so seriously. Absolutely. And it brings me back to what you had mentioned earlier about your interview with the agency where you're like, I didn't need it. Yeah. I didn't care. Right. And they're like, oh, we like that. And I, I like it. Well, I want to be with that person. Yeah. They're not trying too hard. This isn't like the end of the world. And there's a difference between wanting something. We yes. all understand like, yeah, we'd like to book this, you know, it'd be great, yeah. but or needing it. And for actors, it's like, you don't need this. You don't to be. A right. good person, you know. You like you have enough stuff as it yeah. is. You've got a good family or girlfriend or whatever. But it's hard, you know. I think actors often they get like so attached to their identity as an actor that whether they're booking or not is sort of the metric for whether they're sure. successful or not, whether they're good or not. And I'm constantly encouraging actors like lean away from that. You know, your metric is how well did you do in the room, not right. did you book it or not. And in order to know that, they're like, well. I know if I did well because I booked it. It's like, no, you need to have a separate metric. Were you playful? Did you have fun in yeah. the room? Were you listening? Did you take those notes? Were you relaxed? You know, playful? Did you take some risks? Yeah. Those are the metrics that happen in the moment versus did I book it, didn't I? You could have had an amazing audition. I'm sure you've seen this with actors. He was great, but we're going with a girl for this role. Right. It's like... And I was going to say, not to contradict ourselves, yeah. but you should be prepared before you go in that room, then let it go. I mean, it's like, you still have to know what you're doing. You have to, you know, know what the scene is, know what the, the lines are, then let that go. go That's in. the purpose of preparation. That's the purpose of preparation. It's like, take and the battle plan and then throw it out. What's great too is what you said is take risks. I mean, it's literally, there can be a hundred great people who do those lines perfectly. The, their beats are good. Their comedy's good. And there's one person that comes in and takes a little risk that blows it out of the water. Yeah, and makes it personal. Makes, like, it, personal. makes it their own, yes. you know? And you like them. And you like them. But it is a question like, well, that's so ethereal. Like, why do you like them? And I'm like, well, A, it's subjective. This is like dating, you know? Like, you may love someone and I may think, oh, he's annoying. However, 
in the same way, like what's the number one advice with dating? Be yourself. Don't try too hard yeah. to be someone else or what you think they want. No, just be who you are. Like relax, enjoy it. You telling that story recently, I'm curious, have you ever had it where it's like, and I, I have this as session directors, one of my pet peeves where it's like, okay, listen, so we're not doing the thing in the chair anymore. We're not swiveling. You're just sitting there. You got it. I just want to make sure because we're trying to keep things moving and the director's yeah. giving the same note. So go ahead. You're going to just sit there and then you pick it up. Don't swivel. Got it. They go in, swivel, pick it up. And the director's like, oh, uh, you know, we're actually, we're not swiveling anymore. Didn't they tell you that outside? No, no, no one told me that outside. <laughs> Did I tell you that story? Uh, no, that's the story from me. No, I had that story. <laughs> there was, it was, I was working with a director one time. Yeah. And he was tired of giving the direction in the room. And he said, would you give them the direction before they come in so they know what they're doing? Yeah. So there was one actress when I went out and I said, the director doesn't want to do this anymore. Here's the direction. Here's your beats. Here's your scene. Yeah. You're by yourself, but here's the thing he wants. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So little did she know or realize that I had, because we have two entrances right. to the studio room where we were recording, uh -huh. that I had gone around to the back, come in, and I was standing next to the cameraman. Yeah. And it was dark in there, so she didn't see I was in there. So she literally comes into the room, and the director goes, well, I'm sure Mick told you what yeah. the scene is. And she said, no, he didn't. And you had just told her. I just told her, yeah. and I literally stepped out from behind the camera, and I said, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you are a liar. Because I did tell you. I mean, they all laughed. I didn't right, do right. it like you nastily. I just said, you're a liar. Yeah, and you're And she went, oh, I, I said, no, I did tell her. She has now chosen to act like I didn't. <laughs> so just so you know, I did. I know. I see that, and it oh is, it is like... It's part of it's like, oh, no, because maybe they want to say it again, or maybe it's just simply listening. Yeah, like, oh, I wanted to hear it from you, though. Yeah, well, the they didn't want to hear it from here because he didn't want to say it again for you. So Yeah. Oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah. So having fun, so key. No fear, you know, and I think that's easier said than done because we get nervous, and that's normal. But to allow that nervousness and know that, it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. And that's another big part of taking risks because actors who are okay making mistakes, who are less afraid of making mistakes, can take those risks. Actors who are afraid of doing it wrong become the ones who are trying too hard to do it right. They yeah. start, oh, I don't want to take a risk, so I'm just going to do the really boring sort of normal yeah. performance. I'd love to hear your take on, and this is part of like these risks we take, which is making it your own as an actor. You know, in, in terms of we have copy, but we want you to bring some of you to it because I'm always telling them this is how you stand out. This is how it's different. You know, bring some of your personality yeah. and your take and you have freedom with the lines, which is also different than theatrical. So what, what's your take on that, making well, it your well, own? But I think it's individual. I think some people can do that and other people sure. can only do lines mm -hmm. or if they hear that, make it your own or you'll say just throw in some of your own words. Yeah. They literally block themselves from doing that. They're not good at it. They're but not I think good you can at learn it. But I think you can learn it too. I yeah. think, you know, I, listen, for someone like me, mm -hmm. if that happened once to me, yeah. I would go, okay, I've got to work on this. I've got to, because that's going to happen in auditions. So I've got to figure out how to take a copy. And if someone says, throw in your own lines, this yeah. is how I do that. And here's the other thing. When you, you see, if you're with somebody and you're doing a scene like that, and all of a sudden they're throwing in their own lines, you look back and say, what did they, the, wait, they did great. 
they made a whole little scene and made it bigger, you know, yeah. on the spot, and it was great. Yeah. I mean, that's why improv is good, too, but some are better than others, which it's a hard thing sometimes. Tell me, like, I, I remember we were talking once, and you were sort of talking about, like, really great actors' ability to, like, you don't yes. even know they're acting. Yes. Well, there was one guy who I was his agent, yeah. who I knew was good, Yeah. and when I got into casting, he came in the room, and I was, you know, going to direct him and stuff, but we were literally talking about family and friends and just bullshitting bullsh- kind of catching yes, up catching up and stuff like that and all of a sudden i realized that he had started the copy i mean literally from i mean he just started practicing the reading the copy but there was no transition i mean it was like i literally turned and thought oh my god that's his gift that's why he works yeah there's from no being performance himself, there was no performance he was yeah. he was himself he started saying the copy and i didn't even realize he had started saying the copy i just I thought he was talking about something else, and I thought, okay, that's that's why you yeah. work. It's real. It's, it's real. Believable. It's real. So, what do you think is the one of let's say no? I will say number one, but I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Number one mistake that actors make commercially. Boy, there's so many. Uh, so many. Yeah. Uh, Top uh, fifty. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the number one mistake is trying too hard. I think you just really have to. I mean, the, the gift for everybody is to be yourself. I mean, to really, again, like we've talked about, just let it let it all go. Be yourself. And the number 50 mistake? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not listening. Don't it, listen. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry, sorry. what did you say? Yes. Um, so, okay, cool. And then I'm also interested in the way that you relate as a casting director with your agents because... As you know, I'm sure with actors who you speak with who are asking, like, who's the great agents? And, well, we're like, well, it depends. There's different agents for different types. But in your opinion, if an actor is looking for an agent, like, what are the, what's a skill set they should be looking for? What should they keep their eye out in terms of agents you work with who you see, like, these agents hustle for their clients or they pitch well or they're champions of their clients? Or what's the skill set of a great agent? See, that's so... the business has changed so much since yeah. the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I started as an agent and in the casting, I mean, we literally talked to agents every day. Personally, we became friends with them. We knew who they liked the best factors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with, with it all online, it's harder to do that, you know, and you don't really talk to the agents personally that much. You will talk to them. And there are certain agents that I will give free reign to call me Mm-hmm. And tell me if I've missed somebody or something, but and it's hard not to because there's so many agents. I mean, there's just yeah. there were f- 45 in you know my day when I was started casting and stuff. Like now, there's like 400. You know, it's tough. Listen, I think the main point is to get an agent. Period. Mm-hmm. No matter you can work up for you know once you're in the business, it's all, it's all a learning thing. You know, yeah. get an agent. It's all, you're only usually signed for a year, and I don't think you that's the most you can do for a contract and. A lot of times I won't, they don't even want to do a contract. You can always, once you get... Stepping get, stone. Stepping stone. Once you get your yeah. footing, once you talk to friends, once you're hanging out with actors, you'll find out who might be better for you. It's, it's, it's tough. It's competitive. Yeah. There's thousands and thousands of people. So if you, were to, day. if you were to quit casting right now and you, you discovered, you know what, I'm really an actor, and you didn't have the contact you have, but you do have the knowledge you have, what would be like maybe two questions you would ask of agents that you were interviewing to be your agent? Boy, here's the thing. 
And to be honest with you, I would not quiz my agent. If I knew I was in a good office, yeah. I would do everything for them to sign me. I yeah. would want them to ask me questions, what I was willing to do. Okay. Yeah. They're the people that's got to like you. I mean, I would, yeah. as an agent, I didn't want anybody quizzing me about what I was going to do for them. Got, you know, got it. I, I knew I was in a good agency. We were well respected. We had great talent. So when we did interviews, yeah. I mean, people were groveling to yeah. be signed by us. So, and not, not like it was em- embarrassing, like they were pathetic. No, it was like, people wanted but they wanted, they wanted to be there and they wanted us to like them. They wanted to present themselves in the best quality. So, and so, to, so to get a good agent, yeah. I would say you just have to have the qualities they want. And the qualities they want, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but just you mentioning this, is really similar. They're really looking for the qualities the casting wants because yeah. they want to know. And it goes back to not trying too hard, yeah. even when you're nervous because you're interviewing with an agent, being personal and friendly and chatting, and maybe they'll have you read, maybe they won't. So it sounds like... in. The thing that you would look for if you're looking for an agent is not a question that I'm going to ask the agent, but rather I want to be assessing our connection and our yes. vibe and are they understanding me and do I like them and do they like me? me. Exactly. Are yes, exactly. Me? Yes. And the thing is, again, you want them to sign you. You're not looking to sign them. I mean, it's, yeah. don't come in with that attitude. It really, here, while we're thinking of that too, here's another thing that I kind of have to point out to actors too is if they're with a smaller agency or there's big agencies that yeah. are very powerful and stuff like that, and they go, well, you know, that big agency has thousands of people just like me, or yeah. there's just too many just like me. I mean, I mean, I'll have friends that are with them. There's too many. Listen, as a casting director, whether they submit 25 of you uh-huh. and a smaller agency sends five of you, I still look at the 25 that the big agency sends. Mm. It's not that that kind of numbers. Does it mean mm. anything to a casting director? They mm. don't care. They're just going to look at the best people, and they're going to look at the best people, or they're going to look at the people first with the big agencies because mm. they have That's a track record. You know, so don't get hung up on the fact that, oh, I don't want to sign with a big agency because I'll get lost. You won't get lost. Because as long as you're performing well. As long as you're performing well because if you get in, the thing is I don't have time to look at all 400. Yeah. A lot of times I do just yes. because I like to see everybody if there's somebody new or stuff like that, but... Also have a good picture. I forgot all about that. You must. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Finish your thought that you were going to okay. say. You don't have time. But I feel like you've told me before that you often do look at I all just, the I said I do. I, if I have the time, I will look at yeah. everything. I mean, there will be pages of 150 that I will skim through. Of course. But I have found people that I liked. But I, the reason I flashed on the good picture is the lesser the agents, the worse the quality of the pictures go down. It's funny how it's, it's like either those smaller agencies don't pay attention to having their clients spend some money yeah. on having one good picture or just a good picture, yeah. period, you know? Yeah. Because that's that's another really key thing is your picture. That's what, I, that's what I'm going to see before I go any further. So let's talk about what that is. When you say a good photo, what does that mean? Does that mean um, color? Does it mean just quality? Does it mean, you know? It, well, they're all, they're all color. It's funny when LA Casting started at the beginning, everybody's black and white. There yeah. were one or two colors. It's all colored pictures now. But I mean a splash of color. Like, oh, I'm um, wearing a red shirt on a blue background. You know how some of those are? Yes, I, and I don't mind that. Okay. I mean, it's whatever kind of draws your eye. Mm-hmm. And also, bottom line, what looks like you. Yes. You don't want somebody coming in who's, you know, glamorous, and then you they walk in and you're, they're not glamorous. You're, you brought them in for a glamorous part, and they're like, uh, who are you? You know? Yeah. Oh, you look great. It, yeah. I think that's a big one, especially for women who yeah. are sort of drawn to these really beautiful editorial shots. 
sure. uh, which are like, oh, certain photographers, that's what they're known for, is like shooting their actors and they look amazing. Yeah. But the actor has a hard time replicating that look in person, you know? Oh, sure. And it's like, oh, you look like this is like a Vogue cover. It's yeah. awesome. But there's two problems with that. One is you're going to get called in for a Vogue cover, but you can't replicate that look. So when you get there, you're not right for it. And two is you're not going to get called in for the ones that you should be getting called in for. Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing while I yeah. think about it too, is men, men and women, mm -hmm. is they will change their look and they won't tell their agent. Mm. And, you know, I've had things where I've had guys come in that they didn't want beards and they show up with a beard. Mm -hmm. And I've called the agent and go, you know, you know he has a beard? And they go, no, I didn't mm -hmm. know he had a beard. So as a client with an agent, mm -hmm. you also have to let your agent know what you look like now. I mean, when I was an agent, we would say, listen, if you cut your hair, do something different, Pop, come in. Just pop your head in. You don't have to visit with us. Go. Here I, I have am. a beard. That's what I look I like. I have long hair. Yeah. I've cut my hair. I'm a blonde now. Yeah. Wh whatever. Just let your agent know what you look like, without going for months and months and months. And it's you've even, changed your look. It's even easier. Or now. you put on 50 pounds and you didn't tell them that yeah. you should now be a character person. Yeah. You know. Or one well, that. I was gonna make a bad <laughs> joke. But um, I mean, it's easier now. I've had that exchange with my agent. He's like, "Hey, do you have the beard?" And I just shoot. I can take a photo of myself yep. and I just text it to him. Yep. Like, boom! This is what I look like right now. He's like, "Yep." And it's good to know the length or whatever. Or if I shave it, I'm like, "Up, oh, just shaved." Boom! Here's a photo of me. And that way, because you pay attention. That's your job. Yeah. That's your job to do that. Yes. And that's managing your relationship with your agent. Like you say, well, you're not looking to sign an agent. Well, that's true because of numbers. Like the market is saturated with actors, so it's competitive to get a great agent who has relationships and work for you. But technically, they do work for you because you're paying them a percentage. However, in reality, that's not really how it is because they have way more people knocking on their doors than most actors yeah. have knocking on their doors. Of course. Um, so maintaining that relationship and sort of being able to identify, are we vibing? Like I'm always joking with actors like, casting is speed dating. We come in, Absolutely. you're like, hey, nice to meet you. What's up? This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And you're like, okay, next. And who do you like at the end of the day? And it's true with your agent as well. It's like, do you vibe? Is he a champ? Do they believe in you? Are they a fan of you? Yeah. And Or do you feel like they don't know who you are? Maybe you don't have another option, so work on that. Or maybe, you know, oh, I, I met with this, my friend's agent and they love me. You know, like who I'm with right now, I was with another agent, but my agent now, I moved to them because they're like, Toby, you're amazing. Like, come to us. Like, I want, and I was like, oh, this person is someone who's going to champion me. Yeah. They're going to push me. And I like that, you know? So I'm blessed to have options. And they like you. I mean, that's the thing. That's like why you. I say you want your agent to like you and be yes. in your corner. See, but it's so that's so tricky for actors because if you come in feeling like, like me, like me, like me, then it feels desperate, right? Yeah. So it's a belief in the fact that, look, not trying is what makes you likable. Having fun is what makes you likable, not trying to make us like you. Yeah. You know, a big, like the, the classic example is like if you imagine like an overtrained child actor. Yeah. And we can all sort of imagine that where in the slate they've got the big smile and they say, Hi, my name's Toby Lawless with a big smile. Yeah. And it feels inauthentic. And it feels like, oh, they're trying too hard for us to like them. Yeah. And you. Because it's not real. And who sure. is that? And there's masks up and stuff. And, you know, when I'm working with actors, like, I'm working at peeling away the mask. Like, show me who you are, you know? Embrace your vulnerabilities. Yeah. Like, share that with us and be okay with it. And know that that's enough. Like, you are enough who you are. And that's likable. Yeah. As long as you're making an effort to have fun. You're being professional. You've done your work. 
You know, you mentioned preparation. I hammer preparation. I'm like, you guys prepare so that you don't have to worry about that Absolutely. in the room. Yep. You do the work, you've prepared it, and now you get to go have fun. It's easier to have fun when you've prepared a ton. I just worked with an actor who prepared like no other actor I know. I mean, great preparation. He has like audition logs and he makes lists of his positive thoughts so he can go through. And I told him, dude, your prep is great. The problem is you're carrying that mindset and that prep into the room and, you're, and it's stressing you out. You're trying, you're still trying too hard. Save that for before, but then you gotta let everything go. go. And you let it go and you come in and you yeah. play. And then when you leave, you let that go. And like, that's what you were saying. It's like, oh, the best, the booking actors, they don't even know what they auditioned for. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, I just go. And like, you can't do that unless you're having fun. And Amy Poehler says in her book, there's a great quote that says like, no one looks dumb when they're having fun. And actors- That's true. That's great. If you're having fun, you don't look dumb. And actors are worried about being judged. Like, do I look bad? Am I doing this wrong? But if you're having fun, you don't need to worry about that because you're enjoying yourself and it's contagious. We want to be with those yeah. people. We're like, oh, that's so fun. So yeah. confident. Oh, wow, you're so comfortable being yourself. True, you know? true, true, true. Okay, so let's, I want to chat a little bit about the industry now. You say you mentioned, oh, it's changed so much. It used to be we'd submit the black and white headshots yeah. and they'd be delivered in this massive envelope from messengers. And we know sort of in the late aughts, you started kicking over to LA casting, et cetera. Yep. And now, you know, technology is changing. And I'm interested on your take on non-union versus union. It's different for casting directors than it is for actors. Sure. Uh, because casting directors, they're not in a union. You know, so they're able to do work either. But for an actor, like, what's your take on that? Like, in terms of, is union going away or is it just going less? And how can we create more union jobs? And what should our approach be to that as an actor? That's a tricky subject. It is. For me, I would say probably 60% of our stuff now is non-union. I think part of the problem is that SAG stuff doesn't pay as much as it used to. Mm -hmm. And if you get a nice spot, sometimes it doesn't run. It's hard. I think the best thing sometimes if you are... Well, listen, it depends on what you need to. It depends on, as an actor, what you need to survive. If, yeah. if you get into SAG and you're not getting enough SAG work, you go SAG core, FICOR. Yeah. You can do everything. But you know a lot of SAG actors are vehemently opposed to that. Well, the, Vitriolically. And, yes, but they are... That horse is so far out of the barn. Yeah. Not only has the barn burned down, but the horse is, is in, it's on fire. It's on fire too. Yeah. It's, it's long gone. That's never going to go back yeah. to what we, we used to know 20 years ago by any means. So mm -hmm. they can be as vehement as they want to be. It's not going to change the reality of what life is now. Yeah. So you literally have to face, listen, uh, and I totally understand. I've, I've had actors that I've known for 37 years who I've kind of grown up with who were the young, beautiful girls, and now they're moms, and now yeah. they're older even than that, or the dads that, who were young, and they worked as dads. For, I mean, made tons of money. Now they're in other categories. Yeah. And they have families, uh -huh. and they have to support themselves, and they're not making money anymore. Yeah. So they have to do non-union work to survive. Yeah. I t and I totally understand, and I feel bad for them, but I know that's something they have to do, and I'm not going to condemn them for it. Or, you know, if I was a SAG person, too, I'd have to really look at them and go, they're not working anymore. Yeah. They can't just protest and starve to death because they're a union person. They had to pay for the rent. So it's so tough. It's so tricky. It is tough. And it is reflective of the changing landscape of all this. So how do you see, like, the next five years? Do you see in terms of 
I don't know. Like, do you feel like your role is going to change, or in terms of the di- like the the way that things are being produced? Yeah. Or? Well, it's it's changing constantly. Five years, I really have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, certainly commercials aren't going away that yeah. quickly, but I think with the internet and stuff like that, I think a lot of stuff is more stuff is going to be made for the internet. Yeah. It really depends on what happens with television. Yeah. With network television subscription TV, where, where that's all going to go. Yeah. Are they going to incorporate more ads into the spots themselves, into the action, live action yeah. of the thing? Or how, how is that is it going to work? I really, I really... It's hard I, to tell. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. So how you view your role as an arbiter between your client, the agency in production, right. and talent? Is it simply, my job is to create a pool and they select it's a great pool and yep. they select who they want and then I'm sort of on the logistics making sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted yep. and this person doesn't have a conflict and they're available and et yep. cetera and I'm just I'm uh, managing the uh, keeping the flow going yes that's that's, ex- that's exactly right yeah listen if I can help it I don't necessarily in callbacks give my opinion unless I'm asked because and it's, you are yes but a lot of times you can. It just takes one agency person to disagree with a choice that they all like cower and yeah. you know, and think that they've made bad decisions and stuff like that. So it's a it's really work in a room. I mean, it's really you you know where to put input into and where not to let them just have their way because they're all disagreeing with each other yeah. to begin with. So let them fight it out, pick who they want. You know, you've done it so long, and I've been doing it long enough where you can sense the moments. And like you talk a lot about yeah. timing, you know, about in the sense of like, oh, knowing for agents, having the right time to pitch you client, like knowing the time to, to pitch clients and you knowing the time to talk to production. I mean, I think also in the room, you can sense when, oh, he's really great. He's on TV. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is I think a lot, you know, not enough actors understand that in reality, the biggest job is to create just a really solid pool of talent and that you're not picking callbacks nine times out of ten. We have the ability to not show people yeah. who are terrible or don't look right yep. or we're extremely rude yep. because we want to not put those people in front of our clients. Absolutely, and we do um, that. And we do that, yep. but not often. Like People are often like, oh, like so if you audition 40 people, how many are you showing, 10? Like, no, we're showing 39 probably or 40 yeah. most times. Yeah. And like, if I'm running a session for you, you'll always ask me, is there anybody we need to hide? Yeah. Meaning was someone really bad or just we got to take them off for some reason? Or like, obnoxious to you. Obnoxious yeah. <laughs> to me. Were they yeah. rude or did they really not look like their headshot? Because yeah. that happens. To our yep. point, which happens. Um, oh, man. Yeah. I was thinking of a time I was casting Bud Light. We are doing like 20-year-old bar goers. And this. I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man. <laughs> An actor came in, and she was not in her 20s. Yeah. And her headshot was from the 80s. <laughs> and But she was dressed like she was in her 20s. <laughs> and, like, that was sort of demonstrative of sort of a lack of awareness of her own look. And, you know, people will... I have friends who are not in the industry from growing up. They're like, so do you just see, like, a lot of really bad, crazy actors? I'm like, no. I'm like the vast, vast majority of the actors we work with are like, great, professionals, they've been doing this forever, they're good at their job, they're good performers, 
every now and then you get one or two and uh, you do for sure but it's not common and so because it's not common we're not hiding a lot of people but it is uh, it's interesting when it happens but I've worked for you on jobs where especially with bigger directors where they'll say they don't have time maybe they're shooting a feature and they will ask you make my picks make my picks yeah and then you'll ask me like mark the good ones and then you'll review them and then you'll pick that does happen it's not common. No. But it happens. And it does happen where often, I, and I do see this you know, in callbacks where they ask, hey, how is so-and-so? Is she good? Does she work a lot? Yeah. Does she book theatrically? They'll Google people. But I've rarely seen a director, a producer ask for or look at a commercial reel. Never. 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 Well, that's another thing, too. Yeah. You know, I will always tell actors, if I find a director's asking them, like, you yeah. got much stuff on the air, yeah. I'll say, listen. Say no. Yes, I'll, I'll say, listen, they're asking if you've got stuff running. If you do, please don't tell them you do. You could say you might have one, you're not sure. I mean, the thing is, they want to know you work. They don't want to know you work a lot because that, that means they didn't discover you. That means that you're not overexposed. So don't brag about, you know, I had one actress walk in and tell them she had 11 commercials running at the time. And, and I found out and she walked out and I said, you're never going to get this. Yeah. You, you just told me you had 11 spots running. It's They're, over. Yeah. It's, it's a catch 22 of like oversaturation, which yeah. is like, oh, you're working too much. Yeah. And now you're too recognizable. Yep. And now we don't want you because you're too good. Yes. Basically. So yeah. that's a great point. And, and I know a lot of actors now who utilize iSpot TV. And for a while, there was a trend of sort of tagging themselves in the spots that they're yeah. in. So you can see it. Now they're untagging themselves so that you can't find them in there for because, that exact Because reason. those agency people are looking them up when they're in the room. To see what, to they're, see in. what they're, they're in. And that's how they find them. They're not finding them on their commercial reel. They're no. just Googling. Oh, let's look at their Instagram. Oh, let's look at iSpot TV. Yep. Let's look at their IMDb if they have one. Oh, cool. They've been in some TV shows, but rarely are we seeing, hey, can you show us their commercial reel or even, I'm sure they look at their resumes from time to time, but for the most part, it's what's happening in the room. Yeah. So the cat, as we're wrapping up here, I do want to ask one specific question, which is the question I get all the time, which is there's a lot of actors who feel like they're doing great. They're like, I, I love commercial auditioning and I feel like I'm good and how do I get more? And I always tell them, well, audition well. They're like, but how can I audition well if I'm not getting auditions? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, audition well. And so I'm curious on your take on postcards and is that useful and every now and then or how do, you know, like we know in the same way that agents are, there's, this is such a rich talent pool in LA. There's so many oh, actors yeah. that we don't have the bandwidth to sort of like have actors walking into casting directors' offices and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, because if that gate was opened, you wouldn't get a lick of work done. Right. And yet, actors are, well, how can I get on the radar? You know, so... Here's, here's like something that's a very good point that I just flashed on, on that, because, I mean, a long time ago... Yes, postcards were good, envelopes were good, but now there are so many yeah. that come in. It's really hard to even, um, I mean, listen, I go through all of them. I will literally go, you know. You'll flash through them. I'll flash through them and, yes. and see. A lot of times it's people I know that have done a show and stuff like that. New people, it's hard to. to uh, Have context. Exactly. But yeah. w- what I think is really important is. On the casting networks, whatever you're with, whatever, if you can put any kind of video of yourself, mm. you know, 
that's really what, if it's a new person mm. that I see, I like their look. If they have something that I can hear them speak, if they have a little comedy thing that they mm. do comedy or they have something that I can see them for two, you know, I'll, it's, it's like a two or three second read and I'll go, yeah. you know what? I wouldn't know them, but I like what they're doing. I, yes, I got a feel for them. That's uh, interesting. So you're talking about like on, for instance, on LA casting, yes. you can upload you, a, a which, video, a video. And some people would upload their commercial reels. So in this case, that might be useful for you, whereas a lot of times they're thinking for directors and productions. But even sometimes you can upload just simply a slate or... Absolutely. Yeah. But, but it's just something that gives you a little bit of what your voice... If I don't know you, I want to know what your voice sounds like. I want to know if you... If, listen, if you have a comedy... I mean, listen, if you do one thing and you had a comedy bit somewhere that was funny that people laughed, put it up. I want to like you. I mean, and I want to see what you look like on camera. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to cards or, you know, 8 by 10 sending me... The, that I will tend to bring you in. If you have a good headshot that I like, I'll go, oh, and they got a little video. I will click on that, and yeah. I will absolutely look at you. Yeah, you like the video. With a very uh, obscure agent. Yeah. I mean, I will just say, oh, you know, that's interesting look, and they're doing something. Let me. And I brought people in because of that, because I thought, you know what, they are talented. They've got some comedy stuff there. They've got that's great. good acting stuff like that. Yeah, because it's valuable for you as much information as you can get in that thing about what you've done, yeah. including a resume uh -huh. that makes you look appealing, yeah. is well, that's what we're looking at. We, that's all we have time for. That's interesting, man. Yeah. So because I, up until you saying this, I've had almost zero value for a sort of a reel or something. And not a lot of actors understand like how the back end of LA casting works, but it's pretty user friendly and we're able to like really click in and see everything. So we see these thumbnails and then you're able to click into the thumbnail and see more photos yes. or this is where you would see the videos. So it's quite easy. In fact, for you to see these videos, you're like, Oh, I like that headshot. Let me click in. Oh, let me hear that person talk. Exactly. Oh, cool. It doesn't Done. have to be a long video. No, I mean, literally we were only probably better if it's not, it's not, if it's just four or five seconds, you know, we're probably going to look at four or five seconds of it. If it goes for 30 seconds, fine, but we're only going to say, oh, enough, I like them. I'll yeah. bring them in. I'll mark them to bring them in. That's uh, great. I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that, of all the things now, of, of you getting into the room yeah. with an agent that I'm not familiar with, yeah. it would be that. Ah, interesting. And then, once you get the opportunity, audition well, and then like, and oh, he was funny. Absolutely. That's, how you, that's, how, you, that's how you get into the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, because it is true. And, you know, Actors feel so disempowered with that. We're like, well, what else can I do besides postcards? And I tell them, man, I see this at every studio. It's every casting director gets a stack, and it's refreshing to hear you say that you do flash through them because I know others who they go straight to the garbage. Yeah. But it's also relevant to how busy you are. You may have five jobs, and you don't have time to go through them. You know, you're like, I'm we got two callbacks going. I got a job that, that I'm a prepping. Good, that's a very good so point. It, it, and some actors, I've sort of evolved my position to saying to actors, look. This is something you control. It's something you can do. If you understand that 80% of the time, this probably will generate nothing for you. You may not even be see it, but 20% of the time, maybe they'll see it. Yeah. Maybe it'll remind them that, oh yeah, he's great for this, or maybe it'll spark it, but it's not like this surefire, great way to, you know, no one else is doing it, you know, but the video is quite useful. And here's the other thing. Don't just put one picture of yourself up. Yeah. Because I've been burned too many times with one picture. Yeah. So if it's one picture, I don't know who you are. I'm not going to bring you in. If you have yes. a few, and I go, okay, they got a profile. What about uh, 40? Yeah. Or if, you know, not 40. You don't need 40. No. <laughs> you just need some, a couple of... You know, listen, it's like with any a salesman. They come into a place or they want to get a job. They want to show you all their wares. They want to show you all the things that they are selling. Yes. So why not put that 
on your webpage. Why not put that on your, you know, what you're presenting to the casting director? Here's my selection of things that I do. Take your pick, see if you like me. Not one picture, little resume, and nothing else. I'm not going to bring you in. Yeah. I always tell people, especially if you have really specific experience with something, for instance, you're in the Marines. Good point. Take a photo with your uniform. Yeah. You are a firefighter, a real firefighter. Take a photo. Absolutely. You're a marathon runner because you get stuff that sometimes it's we want real marathon runners or sometimes it's just we're looking for a marathon runner type. And then you see that photo and like, oh, this person is exactly that. Yeah. Or a nurse, for instance. Yeah. Uh, any sort of special skills position that you have experience with that you're able to get a photo and upload that. I have so many actors who I've told you, it's like a guy who is a student of mine. He was used to be a firefighter. To put some photos of firefighting, first two jobs, national spots, he got Taft Hartley in because he was a firefighter. Exactly. And he knew what he was doing. Yep. I mean, and that stuff will create opportunities for you. That doesn't mean actors go out, get a shot of you in a construction hat, an Indian headdress, you know, that's YMCA. Not real. No. That's not real. That's yeah. fake and cheesy. Yeah. If you happen to have experience as a rock climber, a sharpshooter, yeah. you know, horseback, whatever it is, show us that it's for real. And then it's easier for you to look and go, oh, yeah, cool. That's exactly right. A motorcycle, for. even you know, on a horse. Motorcycle, like yeah. Um, w- water skiing pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. If you can do, I'll that, take it. Upload it. Present your wares. Present yeah. what you. You were in prison. Upload your mugshot. <laughs> You're, you were a criminal. That's what we're looking for. Cool, man. Well, we're wrapping up. I always like to do this kind of random thing where I just throw out words for free association. Oh, great. I hate that. Go ahead. You love it. Okay. Yeah. So you just just say the first thing that comes to mind. Preparation is nothing. Oh wait, <laughs> you said the first thing. I like that. I know, but I was whatever you were going to say. Oh, I was going to say nothing. No, but uh, then you realized, no, don't say nothing. Preparation is important. Okay, good. Uh, headshots, very important. Great confidence. Well, this is all important stuff. <laughs> See, I'm very versatile with my um, stuff. An actor's job is to be prepared. Ooh, I like that. A casting director's job is to pay attention. Mm. An agent's job is to be aware of the market. When you're working with a director as an actor, never sass him. Ooh, don't get sassy. <laughs> We've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. Have you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, God, I would never do that. But no, this is a booking actor, yeah. and he is a little loony, but he told me a story. He said, Man, I don't know. He's like, I was just, I was off the edge. I was in the, the callback. The director gave me a note, and I just grabbed my junk and said, Nope. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what I was thinking, man. I was just in it. And you know what? That actor books, you know why? Because he's not afraid to make mistakes. So he made a mistake that time. Yeah. You know, but hey. And he probably won't work for that director, but he'll work hey, for other people. That's right, because he's fearless. Great, man. I really appreciate you Pleasure. sitting down with me. And I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for being a kind casting director. And I know you enjoy your job. And that's why I like working for you. Be kind to everybody. That's Be kind to everyone. Yeah. And you love working with actors yeah. as long as they're respectful. Yep. And they're not asking really dumb questions. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask, what's the best way for actors to get in touch with you? Actors, you mean personally get in touch with yeah. me? Yeah. Don't. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought that was the answer. It's the answer. What's the best way for an actor to get an audition? I already know the answer. Put a little video yourself. Absolutely. Put it on LA Casting. That's exactly right. Yep. Do you ever look at, do casting director, like you just self-submit on jobs, I know. Do you look at the notes where actors are like, hey. Always put a note if you can. Always. Yeah. Great tip. As simple as, hey, would love to do this. Or 
bike riding experience. Yeah, exactly. If it's specific, and just put a note like I'm an A plus at uh, skateboarding, you know, or pyramid anywhere. water skiing. Pyramid water skiing. I've done it for four years. Every day. <laughs> Every day. All right, Mick. Thank you so much, dude. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Love you.